SMS is the most powerful marketing channel, stronger than ever. The best and most effective personal communication channel. The trials and tribulations of verification. We don't have all the answers. How do you ratchet up the value of every message? Finding that that happy medium is in text. And welcome back to the State of Business Texting Podcast. My name is Zach Kunkel, and I'm joined by Mrs. Caitlin Long. You want to say hey? Hey, y'all. Caitlin Long here. Awesome. And then we've got Mr. TJ Thinnekern joining us. TJ, you want to say hey? Hi, Zach. Hi, Caitlin. Awesome. And we're joining you on the second episode of our State of Messaging 2024 podcast series. TJ, the listeners are familiar with who... Caitlin and myself are, but would love to hear, can you tell us just a little bit about your time and your work in the messaging space over the past 10, 20 years? Yeah, let me see if I can compress 16 years into 30 seconds and (laughs) put everyone to sleep. So I'm the CEO and founder of Castle Road Consulting. This is a a consulting advisory. I provide M&A advisory for as well as SaaS and CPAS scaling assistance and creating regulatory strategies for players in the space. Um, before, as part of that, I'm also a content, content director for all the North American events for the Mobile Ecosystem Forum, as well as the CTIA's Connect Mobile that happened in the Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas. Before that, it uh, uh, feels like a long time ago, I was CEO and co-founder of Easy Texting from its inception until 2019. As part of that, not only was I on the board of the CTIA, but also a longtime bandwidth customer. Is that all, TJ? Nothing else? <laughs> it sounds like you got a lot of free time on yeah. your hands. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much for that intro. And we're so glad to have you join. Really appreciative of your time and know that it's obviously sparse. So thanks so much. So before we get into the, the podcast as a whole, just a reminder. So last week, we really kicked off this series and we talked about the overall trends that we're seeing in the messaging ecosystem as a whole. And one of those trends that we started to talk about and started to parse through is this topic that is there are more options out there, more options for you to engage with your customers as far as messaging types, messaging channels. And then there are also more options as to the providers, the aggregators, the different players in the ecosystem to actually engage with. So today we're going to start talking through a few of those. And as always, if you want to read our report, our State of Messaging 2024 guide or interact with our survey data. You can go and find that at stateofmessaging.com. So let's talk just quickly about an overview of what we mean when we say messaging channel options today, and specifically talking about that really quickly in the United States. So when we're talking about how to reach out and talk to customers, there are different options for channels in the U.S. If 20 years ago you rewind, there was really only short code that you would think about that you would be talking to businesses through a short code channel or receiving messages from a business on a short code channel. However, today with the evolution of what we call A to P or application to person, which is really sort of the industry's way to talk about how businesses are able to message with their customers and end users. With the evolution of that, those A to P channels, we now have optionality in toll-free messaging, Mm -hmm. in 10DLC messaging, in short code messaging. And so when a business is putting together a communication strategy, they really have options across all three channels. And and each channel, of course, comes with its pros and cons, uh, really use case is what I always like to push people to as far as how you're determining what channel that you're using. 
TJ, we have actually spoken about this at length. I know at some of the MEF events, I would maybe tee it up to you to just talk a little bit more about customer experience across the channels. And if there's really one channel that you see sort of excelling or or how you would advise your customers, your clients that you're going out and consulting with, how to look at these different channels. That's a great question because it comes across a lot because I feel it's a good thing that we have so many ways to get the message out, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> um, but that also creates confusion for both folks who are building applications on top of the network and the customers who want to send out a message. When do I use a short code? When do I use 10 DLC? And when do I use toll free? And the answer comes down to what you exactly said, Caitlin, which is the use case. To me, for example, short codes are still if the 18-wheeler of the messaging highway, if you will. Once you get in, there's almost no controls on uh, throttling because the process of getting vetted for a short code is so extensive and intensive that once you get in, you are you have a high degree of trust that you're not going to flood the network with unwanted messages. 10 DLC is actually, I think, the true structure and the, the fertile soil for all use case-based conversational messaging. And the idea is you can have multiple phone numbers for the same use case. A classic example is if you are a DoorDash style delivery service and you want to create two-way privacy, so where the, the delivery person doesn't have to share their phone number and vice versa, those are perfect use cases for 10 DLC. And of course, you have toll-free, which I feel is a uniquely North American perspective because it is the US that actually built the whole concept of toll-free and it's become associated few, uh, with the concept of a business messaging right? Because the whole concept of toll-free was created back in the day as a way of saying you could call this and number and not have to pay for it out of your own pocket because you're calling a business. The business was accepting all charges. Um, that, they may, that may not be true for messaging side of it, but that mind share is still there. So if you were really wanting to send out messages and make use your toll-free brand, if you had a toll-free number for a long time, um, toll-free messaging is perfect for you because then you already are building on a brand that's been built for almost 30 years now. Yeah, 100%. And, and the fact that the sort of the equity comes with that toll-free, there's sort of the, mm -hmm. the cachet of a toll-free number, if you will. Mm -hmm. I, I will also mention for some of our listeners that 10DLC maybe is they're just not so deeply enriched in the jargon of messaging as we are. 10 DLC is 10 digit long code. That's really sort of the industry term that we've wrapped around that channel, that A to P channel that is associated in the US and Canada specifically and associated territories with 10 digit long code. And so if you go to the UK, for example, that starts to fall apart. It may not be 10 digits. Yep. It's their plus XX, right? So yep. great context. And TJ, I, I know we were talking ahead of the call. I know that you have a customer that you've long time consulted with who does use all of these different messaging channels as they build out their customer's experience within the product or within the platform. Could you share a little bit of that story? Yeah. So as a practical matter, they're using 10 DLC to create the sense of local presence, right? So you said 919-213-310. You feel like you're having the conversation with a person. So it, it, they kind of go between phone numbers based on the use case. So for example... If it has 2FA uh, authentication, it usually goes out from a short code. Uh, they still do that. Not that you can't use 10 DLC for it, but a short code is a guaranteed way that quality of service has been tested for a very long time. And you know you can get it within the 60 seconds that most people expect to get their 2FA um, um, code. But for 
I've seen kind of like, if you were looking like a normal distribution, the biggest push is coming on 10 DLC because they like the idea, especially as a product organizations are building on more use cases for messaging, where you can actually earmark a sequence of 10 digit long codes for specific use cases and say, you know, my account updates go on these five long codes versus toll free is for coupons or 10% off your Christmas shopping or something to that effect. So they've been remarkably sophisticated with the way they've been segmenting their use cases across all the three mediums. Yeah, that's really interesting. We actually see that in our own customer base where the geographic presence is incredibly important. When we look at 10DLC in the, in the US and Canada in particular, Zach, you actually mentioned earlier the plus four four, if we're mm-hmm. going to talk about sort of looking yep. globally and I think TJ, you even kind of hinted on this earlier when you were caveating a couple of your comments with the the U.S. and Canada sort of North American wrapper and associated territories as well. When we look globally, especially EMEA and other places in the world, Zach, I know that you've been having a lot of these conversations with our customers lately. What other types of channels are we seeing? Yeah, so whenever you you start to think about wider than just North America, what what are my messaging options out there? Just a helpful frame of reference. There are two words that I want to throw out first off, which is conversations versus notifications. So as you think about the use case that the business you are trying to facilitate for your customer, are you trying to facilitate a two-way conversation? And TJ's example, are you trying to just send notifications about account balances or two-factor authentication codes? And that would kind of fall more on the notification camp. The reason why I bring up those two categories is because when we talk about global messaging, that's a critical question you have to ask yourself first, because as you look out, if you're just sending notifications, there's a concept that a lot of North American people aren't familiar with, but it's referring to alphanumeric SMS. Alphanumeric just refers to the sender ID, the from form, if you will, of it is actually a name, uh, a sequence of letters that is from instead of a a number. So TJ used the DoorDash example. Maybe DoorDash is using D-O-O-R-D-A-S-H as their alphanumeric sender ID for your delivery is ready to be picked up. As we look at two-way texting, two-way SMS, if you're trying to facilitate a conversation, a lot of people are looking to do that using mobile or geographic numbers. Mobile numbers just referring to, again, more of that actual area code uh, reference and then geographic numbers very similarly. So TJ, know that you also are, are talking a lot with customers, not just about how do they reach their North American mobile subscribers, but how they reach their global customers too, if they're looking to grow now or in the future. Anything else that you've come across as you've been having those conversations about how to expand globally, how to expand services that you want to jump in and add there? Absolutely. And this is a, a little shout out to all the product managers out there who are building messaging solutions. Because it is very complicated to try and simplify the global network as one. And I hear that pretty much every week from some one corner to the other. Is like as they started to expand their messaging use cases globally and suddenly all it, it's death by a thousand exceptions. You start, you have this beautiful goal of one messaging use case that will go be deployed globally. And then, oops, the UK does it differently. Oops, India does it differently. And then you have to find a partner who's willing to work with you to get those approvals together. And usually it comes down to one situation, which is minimum viable deliverability. 
right? And that's where I think 10 DLC is very powerful. And not only that, finding a good partner is very important because what you want to be able to do is be able to say, okay, for we'll pick on the 919 area code, but for the US, we want to use 919 area code. But for the UK, we want to use, use plus four for starting and this phone number. And either the application itself can try and translate, say, oh, this message is going to a UK phone number, so I'm going to use a UK caller ID, or they can find a partner who does it for them, right? Because as both of you know, <laughs> telephone routing still remains well, a lot of hard work and that you know, duplicating the logic for our DoorDashes of the world, Ubers of the world, is not necessarily the best use of their time. So what I'm seeing is most product managers who are building products that have a messaging component to it are trying to find, A, the minimal viable medium for delivery, and number two, a good partner who can help them mask that complexity from the actual application logic. I do want to talk about WhatsApp at one point because the only other other medium that's been trying to come and eat our lunch is WhatsApp in terms of messaging. And they have gotten that one problem that only SMS had solved, which is reach, global reach. They seem to be absolving it just by virtue of the platform adoption. You brought it up. Let's talk about it, TJ. How are you approaching and thinking and talking about WhatsApp as a different channel that product managers, product leaders are considering bringing into their kind of omni-channel mix? Uh, yeah. So my conversation with WhatsApp starts with, is there a WhatsApp specific feature that you need, right? Outside of the reach part. And without exception, number one feature, and I've spoken and written about this at length, is delivery reports. I don't care if Zach's actually read the report. I just want to know if he actually delivered, got delivered to his device and when it got delivered. And you have lots of use cases that require, okay, I want this, I want to know this this message got delivered between 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., the recipient's local time, because that's when they're in a, in a subway checking their phone, right? And WhatsApp's done a really good job of providing that visibility into the use case. What was preventing WhatsApp from truly becoming a credible threat to SMS was North American device penetration, right? And what even WhatsApp has said themselves that they've been surprised by how quickly WhatsApp is growing. It's in fact, North America is their fastest growing market in terms of uh, deployments. So before the Apple RCS announcement came out, which I'm sure we'll talk about, WhatsApp was coming to eat our lunch. I've said this, uh, Caitlin's probably been in those rooms when I've actually said that very loud and clear that we need to think about uh, their coming in because it's a better product. It's got everything that uh, is the secret sauce of SMS. It's cross-generational, it's ubiquitous in its uh, deployment. And I was really concerned until Apple made its Thanksgiving surprise announcement. So long story short, what I'm trying to tell them is near term, if you want the specific feature of what SMS uh, WhatsApp provides, which is delivery receipts, then you do want to talk about it. And you'll hear about this. The, the Indian mobile operators have complained about this quite a bit, where they actually wanted their regulator, their version of the FCC, to jump in and regulate WhatsApp because they were watching the DoorDash product managers of the world, the ones who are building products to be deployed worldwide, completely bypassing the SMS channel and going over the top because it was easier to support a builder. All that was true until Apple decided to support RCS. Before we move on, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Boss getting on your case again? Tired of getting zero support from your texting provider? Being blamed for not having reports ready instantly? 
If so, it's time to talk with your boss about bandwidth. Bandwidth always gives you signature support, and you can get a premium support plan for real-time insights, dedicated account managers, and more. Never disappoint your boss again. Bandwidth cannot prevent disappointing your boss due to poorly formatted PowerPoints, microwave fish lunches, or not caring enough about pictures of their cat. To make your boss a believer in messaging, go to bandwidth.com. Have you or a loved one been wronged, neglected, or downright ghosted by undelivered messages? You may be entitled to better support. Deliverabilititis is a rare condition linked to a lack of campaign registration approval, heartburn, and a poor customer experience. Exposure to a bad experience from customers, service providers, competitors to bandwidth, or La Chupacabras may have put you at risk. Please don't wait. Call 1-800-808-5150 for a consultation to see how you can get better messaging support. So WhatsApp to me is almost less of an alternative channel and more, I think, as you allude to when you say they're coming to eat our lunch, more of a direct just threat disruptor potentially to messaging in general. I actually saw a commercial that WhatsApp has released in at least the U.S. is where we are, right? That's actually targeting messaging specifically and positioning WhatsApp as a more secure channel, which I thought that was really interesting. They're actively out there advertising for this market that they're trying to grow. Maybe without letting the moment pass, I do want to hit on the the RCS comment here since we're sort of talking about channel strategy in as far as WhatsApp and OTT channels being a disruptor and and RCS specifically. We actually released uh, you know a blog recently and Apple released that they will have plans to support RCS, which traditionally has been one of the big, massive sort of elephant in the room barriers to adoption of this channel. The actual handset adoptability and sort of the market penetration, again, there being one of those sort of infrastructure questions on will it catch on, will it not? Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, TJ, you hit on this. It was not expected. I don't think anyone was anticipating that announcement to your words. It was a Thanksgiving surprise, maybe even a Christmas miracle. But it truly was the elephant or the apple in the room whenever North American companies started thinking about, do we want to invest in RCS? The typical response, no, because a lot of Apple devices and iOS devices were the majority within North America. But with this announcement, I think there is a path to RCS being an an incredibly viable option outside of SMS. And TJ would love to hear your thoughts on this too, but I think what is known right now, there's a lot of still unknowns, but what is known is that Apple will support RCS in 2024 to some extent. A lot of people believe that that's going to be a P2P use case, person-to-person use case right off the top. And then with RBM, rich business messaging coming after that sometime after that. Maybe it's in 2024, maybe it's afterwards. But that's where I think RCS, the application for enterprises who are trying to engage with their mobile subscribers, that's where I think the real value will come for them. Us as people interacting with different devices, we're going to start to see that blue and green bubble divide not be as apparent anymore. Thank God for someone who is (laughs) bullied on the daily for having an Android device preach. Love it. But TJ, what are some of the the knowns, unknowns that you're you're keeping an eye on over the next year or so? Yeah, the number one unknown is how will the translation happen? So right now, 
when I want to send, I'm I'm on the blue divide, the blue side of the divide. When I want to send a text message to Caitlin, which I did, I did get disappointed when I sent her a text message in July around Corona and rented the green. I'm like, no, oh uh, no, the shade. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but what's happening then is the device, the our OS, is deciding, oh, this is not on the iMessage system. I'm going to down convert to an SMS and I send it off the carrier channel to deliver to the end device, right? What Apple's not been clear about is are they just going to go directly to Google's backend and basically say, oh, this is not an iMessage enabled destination. It's now an RCS enabled destination. So I'm just going to go directly to Google or are they still going to treat the carrier as an intermediary? for RCS messaging. That's not decided yet. And to your point, Zach, yes, it's still P2P, but you know that has to be figured out before we understand how the A2P access will work. Having said that, I've always maintained this, which is the Apple support for RCS has always been a red herring in terms of a distraction. If you are a brand or a application builder who wants to start using RCS, you have to start now because it's going to push our design thinking muscle uh, more than simple transactional SMS. Simple things like if you wanted to send a account update, say, hey, um, Zach, somebody logged in and updated your your address on your bank uh, profile. Is this you? Now what you can do is actually say, provide a yes and no button as part of that message. And that simple change is a huge step function improvement in the way you have to look at mobile experiences, mobile messaging experiences, which is where I find that most enterprises who are saying, well, I'll wait until Apple supports RCS. I feel like if you wait, you're already behind the eight ball because the support will come so quickly that you have to, A, start thinking about RCS and RCS messaging, and B, most importantly, find a good partner who will help you try out these use cases with the Android part of the world. Sure. One of the things that we are also wanting to talk about here is not just about the widening options of channels, but also the widening options of partners that are in the industry. There are a lot of different players in that value stream. Caitlin, can you help us understand the the few different players in the industry and kind of what role they do play um, so that we can all kind of be on the same page? Love a good story. Yes. And every story needs its main characters. But when we're thinking about who's playing what role in the industry, there are multiple different roles. There are communication service providers like Bandwidth, I would put into that category. We also have a CPaaS platform. So those could be the same. That will be a theme, I think, throughout this is that one individual entity can play and fill multiple roles across the spectrum. And so when we're thinking about what the salient designation of an organization is, it's not always quite that simple. Correct. Yeah. And so we are a communication platform. We offer a CPaaS. There is also an aggregator element to the business as well. So there are other aggregators in the industry. And essentially what aggregators serve as is really like the traffic cops to, to in order to reach the carriers. We're just talking about mobile ecosystem right now as far as like the messaging landscape is concerned because another note worthy call out is the fact that our voice landscape has a completely different sort of cast of characters and, and slightly different orientation as well. 
So you have the the CSPs or the CPAS companies, you've got the aggregators, and then you also have the carriers. And so the carriers are those mobile operators who are actually facilitating the delivery, you know, the end mile, last mile delivery, if you will, of the messages to each of us as individual messaging consumers on our own handsets. And that ecosystem is aided through registration bodies like TCR and others who the campaign registry, for example. Yep. Yeah. And and what those entities are doing are actually sort of serving as a repository for, for different information. So the campaign registry specific to 10 DLC, for example, is maintaining all the registered information for those campaigns across the industry. We as a CPAS company would go to TCR, register a phone number. It would then get sent through the appropriate aggregator maybe us, maybe someone else, right? And to the actual carrier for eventual delivery to the individual end user. You mentioned a point at the very beginning in the same way I'm a dad and a son, like the the same person, the same individual, the same company can hold and wear multiple of those hats. So this was just really to elaborate on what are the, the distinct roles that need to be filled in the messaging ecosystem to provide value to our customers. Yeah, and, and what I would say was the, the so what, right? Yep. Why, are, why are we talking about this? Well, A, it's it's good to know and understand the landscape that you are operating within. So I always highly recommend if you're going to do business and you're going to have a piece of your business that represents a significant cost structure in the management overall of your P&L, you need to kind of understand what the dynamics are or find a partner who will help you navigate those dynamics and understands and is part of that dynamic landscape. The other cool thing is that the the messaging, cool depending on your orientation, I think, because it is the Wild West on a daily basis, but the messaging landscape changes often. High volume, high velocity of change. And we're seeing that change in the aggregator space. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that shake up kind of start to happen and some of the binds to carriers open up. And it's interesting, you know, we have carriers, I think you said earlier, maybe not so much carriers, but carriers actually are adopting CPAS platforms, right? Yep. And so we are seeing diversification and, and these individual entities picking up these different hats across the board. TJ, I'm curious from where you sit, because you really do work in your position with all of these different roles. Any notable call outs? I think... The number one interesting trend I'm seeing is increasingly sophisticated buyer of messaging services. So you're finding brands uh, who are more aware of how messaging works. And then, of course, their first question to me is, well, why can't I go directly to the carrier? My response is, why would you want to? And and because, you know, the, the it is, as both of you know, it, it is hard work to manage a network. Managing a network is a thankless job. You're constantly having to ask and answer three questions. Do you know your customer? Do you know your customer's customer? And do you know your traffic? And it's not a one-time, one-and-done kind of question. There are SLAs built in where the carriers expect you to know the answers to these three questions on a constant basis across all the messaging channels that are coming in. Why would a brand want to do that? Especially when they have their own version of KYC that's working, which is know your consumer, right? They have enough, their hands full with trying to know whom they're trying to reach, why they're trying to reach, what message will be relevant, why would you want to have a direct connection? What I like for the industry as a whole, from the term DLC perspective, is the direct binds are opening up, so there is a little bit more competition and wearability in terms of who you can go for a direct connection to the carrier, and selecting the right partner is important. And to me, the answer is someone who can grow 
with their use case. Uh, I like to use the improv yes and analogy or metaphor for this, where yes, we do messaging and we do voice. Yes, we do pure aggregator, but we can also build solutions with you or for you that are more use case specific. And that's, I find, I'm finding more sticky and resonating the best with the brands. Yeah. I think what you said earlier is something that we hear from customers ourselves is, well, why can't I go direct to the carrier? Why would I, you know, work through another partner for that? And my answer that seems to resonate consistently and when talking with some of these business leaders and is the fact that when it's not your primary business model, when messaging is a means to an end when messaging is an added value, right? To be able to communicate with your customers, that's awesome. But if you're not willing to eat, sleep, live, breathe (laughs) this messaging space, why would you? It's going to become a second job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it will be a second job. I mean, it's, I mean, I think TJ's resume speaks volumes as to how it is an entire job. (laughs) I've been keeping up with our our carrier buddies and they have never had as long as they've been in the space, they've never had a holiday season where someone's not called them up on Friday morning at 3 a.m. because messages aren't going through. And unless you're a brand that's willing to take on that uh, burden, uh, you're better off just willing to uh, working with a good partner. Yes. TJ, that is such a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next is have been in a lot of customer and prospect conversations where we, we get past the what channel am I going to use? that we understand the use case and how it's going to work to better their customer's experience. And then we get down to a brass tacks question of resiliency and redundancy, hopefully avoiding some of those late holiday calls. And so just wanted to, wanted to ask you, like, as you have seen in the industry over a number of years, how is the industry at large handling? Because there are messages that we can't afford not to, to go out. Some of them maybe promotional deals, like that may not make or break, but account balance alerts and things like that, that are much more critical communications. Companies and businesses do do need and require resiliency and redundancy. How are you seeing companies address that? And maybe even providing an industry standpoint, how are you seeing the ecosystem try to address that? Well, if I was a product manager building for resiliency, uh, this is where having multiple options between toll-free and 10 DLC and short code really is helpful because you are more than happy to send out, you know, 24, 5% off your Christmas Eve order if you are a national chain on a toll free message, but you don't want to send out account balance, the low notifications on the same chair channel because you'll get queued up behind it. So if you are a product manager designing messaging, make sure you have multiple pathways to get different kinds of messages out and not using you know, short quotes for when you should be using a 10 DLC and and 10 DLC when you should be using a toll free. And then part of that is finding a partner who actually helps you make those decisions in a sophisticated manner. That's exactly what I've always told uh, my clients uh, when I was running a CPAT business. And now, which is understand what you want to send with and understand who you're working with to send out that message. Yeah. And one thing maybe I'd comment on there reinforcing what you said on the current path to resiliency is channel diversity. Yep. Short code for toll-free, toll-free for short code, you know, maybe toll-free 
when you have a 10 DLC use case, there are some that are like pairs. And then TJ, to your point, we certainly help our customers navigate that question. One notable call out, maybe someone who in my case came from the voice side of the house and saw how redundancy and resiliency works on sort of the VoIP and the SIP side and then coming into the messaging space and not having those same options and same optionality. It's, it's interesting. And I almost wonder if it's a challenge that as an industry, we should really be looking at facing and coming together on because the same channel diversity doesn't necessarily exist. Like if a customer, for example, wanted to register a campaign in two different places with two different CSPs, the same campaign and maintain diversity at the, the CSP layer, it gets more difficult. It's interesting. I mean, the, the different types of redundancy and we could rabbit hole on that. But I do think that the channel, the cross channel diversity is the best option right now. And potentially as an industry, we move forward, there will be more options. That is correct. And and one thing that I'll add to that is discussing people coming from the voice side into SMS and why voice is not SMS, even though it's the same network, is always gets enterprises in their head start spinning as to why can this work. But, you know, there are regulatory treatments of voice that don't, don't, don't apply to text and vice versa. Best analogy I've used is if you have an email address and let's say you're getting blocked on one email provider to send a message, you can always find another email provider to send a message to that email address. That doesn't work on text messaging. Text messaging, if I'm on a Verizon phone number, if I'm a Verizon phone number on the Verizon network, I have to go through Verizon to get to that phone number. And to that, I have to play it by the rules that, the, that Verizon has set for those. And that's just the nature of the beast. And again, I'll go back to this like a stuck record player, finding the right partner who can help you make sense of this complexity is key. Love that. You are a great record player. Keep playing that song. <laughs> Keep playing the greatest hits. And that was a really great way to understand the realities of the ecosystem. Before we let you go, would love to hear like, what's your one piece of advice for customers or buyers? Or what's your thing that you're excited about or looking forward to? in 2024 as you look at the messaging ecosystem? I'm excited about how optimistic we all are in as in industry insiders about what 2024 and 2025 are going to look. Because, you know, last four years have been very tough on all of us as we try to figure out how 10 DLC works, how short code works. And there was concern, well, you know, we are maybe pushing the limits of how big the messaging industry is and nothing could be farther from the truth. Every messaging medium from short codes to DLC to toll-free has grown year over year through the pandemic and post-pandemic. And I'm excited to see how we all will grow the industry in 2024 and beyond. And I'm also excited to see how RCS will finally see uh, mainstream adoption. So I'm very optimistic going into the new year. I love that. And on a high note. DJ, if our listeners want to engage with you and, and your company, how would they do that? Uh, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, first name, last name, or you can go to my blog, tjthanakran.blog, um, where I have all the ways to get a hold of me via LinkedIn, Twitter, email, and um, I also have a newsletter. So if you guys want to keep uh, subscribe, let me know. Click that and, subscribe uh, I'm button. I'm happy to folks. talk. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, TJ, for joining us. Zach, thank you to my co-host here. And we will come together next time to continue talking about navigating the rules of this messaging road that we all walk down together. Thank you all so much and have a great day. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.